Hi, welcome to this one episode podcast about my family and my identity crises. This is for my final workshop project. Enjoy! Something that I've been asking myself since I became conscious in middle school is, who am I? The simple yet vague question has led to the majority of my breakdowns, but it is through asking this question that I have learned the most about what makes me, me. During the making of this, I've developed a solidified understanding of myself, and I hope that you understand me better after watching this, too. So, who am I? I don't know. Well, that's not fully the truth. I know, but not really. The question, though simple, warrants a complex answer. To start, I am not the me that cried blowing out the four candles on my birthday cake. Neither am I the me that is, hopefully not crying, blowing out the 18 candles on my future birthday cake. Time is continuous, but I found that somehow I have changed so much throughout the years. Each day blurs into the next, but I am here, not four anymore, but not yet 18. I can't help but wonder, when did I change? When did I become who I am now? I am the authentic me that has transformed and will continue to transform as time moves on infinitely. Although I am truly me, I like to think that my foundations come from a combination of my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, and my great-great-great-whatevers going all the way back. The thing is, when I tell you who I am, I will usually respond with, I prefer to go by sin, I use they them pronouns, I am from New York City, and I am interested in math, sustainability, and fashion. But that is not all that there is to me. That response does not convey to you that there is so much history beyond who I present myself as at the current moment. I doubt that you can even begin to guess the story of my life. This story, grand and centuries long, does not start with me like I originally thought. I interviewed my paternal grandfather to learn about the story of how I came to be in the first place, and his narrative began in the Guangdong province in China. My grandfather, who I call Ye Ye, lived in the era of communist China. Under the rule of Mao, Ye Ye's wealth and property was stripped from him. He lived, famished and hungry, until he decided it was worth searching elsewhere for a better life. The year is 1966. From his village, Anping, Ye Ye took a bus to Guangzhou. At Guangzhou, he took a bus to get to Zhongchang. In order to get on these buses, my grandfather needed a valid reason. He needed to present papers to access vehicular transportation. Escape was obviously not an acceptable reason to be leaving, so Ye Ye falsified papers to get on the bus. After getting dropped off at Changchang, my grandfather walked along the highway where he was spotted by a couple of people who were coming out of a movie theater. Ye Ye told me that, in hindsight, he should not have been walking along the highway because he was very easy to spot, but he did not know that at the time. These people leaving the movie theater asked him questions, and they noticed that he was not speaking the local Hakka dialect. Instead, he was speaking the Emping dialect, and they tattled on him, which resulted in Ye Ye being sent back to Guangzhou, where he was arrested and stayed in prison for three to four weeks. Getting arrested did not deter him from escaping, though. After he got out of prison, he waited two or three weeks before attempting to escape again. During that time, he learned how to swim. The time came to escape again, and Ye Ye was prepared this time. Ye Ye got to Guangzhou once again, and there, he met up with eight other people who were also escaping. They took a bus from Guangzhou to Dongguan, and from there, they took a little boat to the mountain border of China. My grandfather walked for seven nights, climbing these mountains in the dark so that he could rest during the day. He traveled at night because it was easier to get caught during the daytime. 
He knew he was going in the right direction because he could see the bright lights of Hong Kong. From the water border, he swam to Hong Kong. He and the other eight people swam at night because it was safer and they swam for two or three hours. He brought the inner tube of a bicycle tire and the inner material of a basketball, both of which he filled with air and used as flotation devices. To sustain himself, he brought glutinous rice cake and rice balls because they could be preserved for a long time without going bad. When he arrived at the Kowloon border in Hong Kong, he was ecstatic. He told me that arriving at the border was the happiest time of his life. There were local farmers who usually noticed people coming in from the border and they helped Ye Ye get in contact with some of his family that was in Hong Kong. The reason why he went to Hong Kong in the first place is because his sister and his brother had gone there before. His sister married a Chinese man in the Dominican Republic. He helped her get papers to travel from Hong Kong to DR. Ye Ye's brother then went to Hong Kong and the sister helped him get papers to travel to DR. Ye Ye was the last of the three siblings to make it to Hong Kong, and his brother helped him get papers to travel to DR, but the wait time for those papers was not short. Ye Ye stayed with his sister's husband's father in Hong Kong for a couple weeks. Ye Ye did a lot of different types of work. He learned how to renew and fix old car batteries from a man who also escaped from Emping to Hong Kong. They worked together for over a year, but Ye Ye knew that the low wages were bad and that the chemicals were not good for him. He went back to staying with his father-in-law and did some woodwork. Afterwards, he worked in a bakery and sold bread for seven or eight months. He told me that he loves Hong Kong bread. After working at the bakery, he went to work at a store that sold antique artwork. Three years after arriving at Hong Kong, Ye Ye obtained the papers to travel to DR, and in 1969, he left Hong Kong. He went to Santo Domingo, the capital, by plane. There, he and another immigrant from Emping started making handmade leather suitcases. Their business did not work out because they didn't have the right tools. It was a lot of work and their products were not selling well. He spent some time working at his brother's grocery store, and right afterwards in 1972, three years after arriving in DR, Ye Ye opened up a photo processing place because he learned how to develop black and white pictures in Hong Kong. He met his love, my grandma, in DR in 1976. And in 1996, fueled by this idea of the American dream, he took a plane to the United States. He landed in New York, and in 1998, he opened a laundromat, which ran until 2006 when he retired. And that brings us to around the time when I was born, in 2005. Phew, that was a long story. But I think it is necessary to tell all the details because the history of my grandfather traveling to DR and then to the US is one that exists only orally. I feel that it is very important for my family to document his story in this way. My grandfather's immigration story is only one of many. To briefly go through the history of the Chinese community in DR, we start with a Chinese man named Pancho El Chino, who is the first recorded Chinese man in DR. He fought in the War of Restoration in 1864. Throughout the late 19th century, poverty brought male Chinese workers to the Caribbean. These Chinese people chose the Caribbean because it was known as a stop on the way to the US. Many of them settled in Santo Domingo and Santiago. From 1916 to 1924, the U.S. invaded DR, and during this time, more male Chinese immigrants from Emping settled in DR, expanding beyond Santo Domingo and Santiago. In 1937, the Sino-Japanese War fueled further Chinese immigration. An official Chinese office opened in DR in 1944, and in 1945, the branch of the Chinese National Party opened in DR. There was another wave of immigration in the 70s, and in the 90s, El Barrio China, or the Chinatown in DR, was invented. 
Its construction was completed in 2008, but since then, the authorities have not maintained the Chinatown. Okay, let's return to the original question. Who am I? How does my history define me? I feel that it is only right that I honor all the struggles that Ye Ye went through to get to the US. Okay, so, I prefer to go by Sin, I use they them pronouns, I'm from New York City and I'm interested in math, sustainability, and fashion. I am an American-born Chinese Dominican. Uh-oh, what's that? Am I really allowed to identify as Chinese Dominican? Sure. My parents were born in the Dominican Republic, but I was born in the US, and as far as I know, I have zero Dominican blood in me. I've never taken any of those 23andMe tests, but I know that I am just Chinese. I'm Chinese, but I find myself in the Dominican Republic almost every summer, visiting my relatives, eating Dominican food, and listening to conversations, songs, and news in Spanish. I'm Chinese, but I find myself celebrating Chinese New Year with Dominican food, eavesdropping from the children's table, listening to my many aunts gossip in Spanish. So, to answer my question if I can really identify as Chinese Dominican, I sought the experiences and opinions of my fellow family members. I was able to interview some of my aunts, cousins, and immediate family. All of them grew up in the DR, and some of them chose to stay there while others chose to move to the US. I know their experiences are different because they grew up in DR while I grew up in the US, but I still thought it would be worth hearing what they had to say. I asked questions about what it was like growing up Chinese in DR, and their thoughts on if they identified as mixed or as Chinese Dominicans. Starting off with my parents, I got intriguingly opposite responses. Although they shared a similar experience growing up, one where they were sometimes bullied and mocked, my mom felt that she did not assimilate into Dominican culture while my dad told me that he felt more Dominican than Chinese in DR. My mom told me that everyone called her una chinita and that the only community events she went to growing up were the Chinese-related ones, typically hosted by the Chinese school that she attended. She told me that people thought of her as a foreigner no matter what. Upon asking my mother if she thought she was mixed, she told me, not really. She told me about how she felt neither Chinese nor Dominican. She is just herself. Despite her negative experiences, she did enjoy the fairs that her school hosted. She told me about how she used to buy small chicks and Barbies. Meanwhile, my dad told me that the Dominican world didn't feel different from the Chinese world. He didn't face many challenges growing up Chinese in DR, and upon asking him what his favorite memories were, all he said was, there were so many great memories while looking off into the distance. My dad does say that he is culturally mixed and he identifies as Chinese Dominican. He said that when he was in DR, he felt more Dominican, but things have changed since moving to the US. Now, he is in a different environment which has blurred the line between Chinese and Dominican. He does feel more Chinese in the US though, because he does not have too much interaction with Dominican culture anymore. I tried to interview my brother to learn about his thoughts and identity, especially as someone who did not grow up in DR, but he never got back to me. So let's move on to my cousins. I interviewed four of my cousins, Ange, Ash, Emily, and Sally. Ange and Ash are both around my age, while Emily and Sally are in their late 20s. Ange, Emily, and Sally are all siblings, and Ash is our cousin. Ange moved to the United States in 2018 for middle school. She grew up in DR though, and she told me that while she was there, it was hard for her to make friends because she couldn't find people that could relate to her. When I asked her if she identifies as mixed, she laughed and told me that she even asks herself that question. She feels like she doesn't exactly fit into the Chinese, Dominican, or American communities. She can relate to the above cultures, but she feels that she is not fully included in each community. Although she speaks more Spanish than Chinese, Ange feels more Chinese-American than anything. 
Ash's feelings are a little bit different. Ash is planning to move to the U.S. this summer, which is the summer of 2023, for college. They were born in New York, but grew up in Santo Domingo, and their biggest challenge was adapting to Dominican culture while being raised in an American-Chinese household. Despite these difficulties, they have grown to love Dominican parties and the outgoing nature of Dominican people. When I asked them if they identified as mixed and Chinese-Dominican, they responded yes to both questions. They told me that the balance of how Chinese or Dominican they feel depends on who they are surrounded by. When they are around family, they feel 80% Chinese and 20% Dominican. And when they are around friends, they feel 10% Chinese and 90% Dominican. At this point in life, they feel very involved with Dominican culture since that is what they see and interact with every day. They do not feel as involved with Chinese culture since their parents do not engage with it as much at home. Emily, who also moved to the U.S. for college about eight years ago, felt that the Dominican community was very accepting of her while she was growing up. They told her that she did not feel Chinese because the way she spoke was very Dominican. People were very interested in learning about Chinese culture. And in the U.S., Dominicans are always excited to meet other Dominicans, regardless of ethnicity. Emily does not feel mixed because both of her parents are ethnically Chinese. However, she does identify as Chinese Dominican because she was exposed to and engaged with both cultures growing up. She says that her nationality is Dominican while her ethnicity is Chinese. She does tell people that she is Dominican though because she speaks Spanish fluently but not Chinese and she doesn't want people to speak to her in Chinese. Also, people get confused when she starts speaking Spanish so she clarifies that she is Dominican. Sally moved to the U.S. for college about 11 years ago. Growing up, she encountered difficulties with stereotypes and bullying. She told me that she was ashamed of bringing home lunch to school because her classmates thought it smelled weird. She would ask her parents for money to buy lunch from the school cafeteria to avoid that. Despite the racism, her friends were very willing to teach her about Dominican dances and music. She loves Dominican culture and finds herself enjoying the food and language every time she meets with her friends and family from DR. She considers herself to be culturally mixed, but she does not identify as Chinese-Dominican. She thinks of herself as a Chinese person raised in DR. She feels an equal balance of Chinese and Dominican culture, and she says that they do not feel so different from each other because they are both family-oriented. My aunt Yima and my other aunt Kim Kim both agreed to answer my questions. Yima is Ash's mom, and she was born and raised in DR, and is staying there now to run a supermarket and because her parents live there. She told me that she has not yet had an opportunity to move outside of DR. She told me that she did not face any troubles growing up Chinese in DR and that the majority of Dominicans respected the Chinese community. She does consider herself mixed and she does identify as Chinese Dominican. She is very involved with Dominican social activity whereas she is more personally involved with Chinese culture at home. I asked her if she knew anything about the history of Chinese immigration to DR, and she told me about how her grandfather arrived in DR in the late 1940s, while her father, who was my maternal grandfather, arrived in DR about 20 years later, in the 60s or 70s. My other aunt, who I call Kim Kim, is the wife of my uncle on my mom's side. She was born and raised in DR, and similarly to Yima, told me that she's staying in DR because her parents live there, and she has not had the opportunity to move outside of the country. She did tell me that she faced a lot of bullying growing up. She identifies as mixed as well as Chinese-Dominican, and when I asked her if she felt more one or the other, she told me that she felt equally Chinese and Dominican. That was a lot about my family members, so I want to share some of my own thoughts about all of this now. This might be a little bit all over the place, but there were a few points throughout the interview process that stood out to me. 
First, I find it so interesting that all my cousins had varying experiences and have varying thoughts about how they identify now. It is possible that their ages and the generations they are from has affected how they view their identities. For instance, Sally and Emily, being a lot older, may be more used to stricter terminology and conservative views on identity. They both view their identities in narrower terms of culture and ethnicity. I think that is a great perspective to look at identity from, but at the same time, I feel like Chineseness and Dominicanness are just feelings to me. They are not precise terms and whatnot, although it is true that I am ethnically Chinese. But whether or not I feel Chinese Dominican is just that, a feeling. This seems to be the case for Anne and Ash, who, as I said before, are younger and around my age. Second, when I interviewed Kem Kem and asked for her pronouns, she told me Chinita. I find this so interesting because my mother, who grew up around people always calling her Gina and Chinita, told me that in retrospect, she found it very rude that they called her that because it showed that they couldn't see her as an individual, as a person, but as only Chinese. Meanwhile, my aunt does not think of it in that sense. Being called Chinita is all she knows and she doesn't have any problems with it. Personally, I do not like it when I am called China or Chinita, but I am intrigued that my aunt has no problems with it. Okay, how would I answer my own interview questions? At the start of this, I thought I could refer to my parents for the right answers, but they had such different answers. Who was I to decide who was right? So, I turned to my cousins who are around my age, but Ange and Ash also both had different answers, so again, who was I to decide who was right? I thought that maybe instead of Ange and Ash, I could look to Sally and Emily who are a little bit older, perhaps a little bit wiser. And the responses, which used, I could say, stricter terminology, definitely made me think about my identity in categorical terms of culture and ethnicity. However, I also couldn't resonate exactly with their answers. Our experiences of growing up are just too different. Lastly, I saw the experiences and opinions of my aunts, but I also could not resonate with their answers because of such a stark difference in life experience. As I am writing the script, it has finally hit me that none of their interviews mattered in the first place. Okay, I worded that wrong. I think their interviews gave me great insight into the varying perspectives of the impact of immigration on identity, but none of it matters to who I am. It is up to me to decide if I identify as Chinese Dominican, and whether or not my family members identify that way does not validate or invalidate my identity. Such personal matters as identity are so complex, it is impossible to say definitely what is right, what is wrong, what can be or what can't be. Everyone is so unique in their experiences and how they identify, it doesn't make any sense and it isn't fair to me or to them to determine my identity based on their identities. This ending is kind of anticlimactic. Apologies for that, but like my grandfather once did, scaling those mountains and swimming all those decades ago, I too can forge my own path and determine myself who I want to be. So, who am I? I prefer to go by Sin, I use they them pronouns, I am from New York City, and I am interested in math, sustainability, and fashion. I am an American-born Chinese-Dominican. Thank you.